0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. I'm my chipos man. I got this ya.
2: Ankle Pickers, welcome back to another episode of the Ankle Pick Pod, brought to you by the believe network we are excited for ufc vegas 33 except i kind of just lied to you because we're kind of lukewarm on it but that's fine we got the full panel today dk in the bottom left ck in the upper left and pr down in the dirty right boy the
0: first time in his with his new title let's welcome back parker yeah. Rijos, the champ
2: the champion congratulations parker
0: Thank you guys. Sorry, I was out last week. I was a uh, night in the town with the dogs.
2: Yeah, you're actually excused for the first time ever. You had you had a permission slip. Country Appreciate club. That. How how you feeling tonight?
1: I'm just glad that Reese knows his rights, lefts, ups and downs.
2: Dude, I got really good at it. I practiced before this we this intro. So I got new. I got a call from upstairs saying to shorten the recaps a little bit. So we're gonna go through some of the better fights. From last week's card, uh, Sandhagen versus Dillashaw, UFC Vegas, 32. First things first, though, I would be remiss, as far as fights go, to not mention our boy, Brendan Allen. Surging rookie, if you will. Dan, Brendan Allen, Punale Soriano. The crazy thing for me here was I expected a grappling bout. I expected Brendan Allen to use his grappling advantage to... Kind of win a decision, a slow-fought decision against the likes of Punahele Soriano, but it didn't go that way at all, Dan. Brendan Allen showcased his striking against Punahele's striking and came out the victor.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, It it showed a different side of Brendan Allen than either of us expected, but definitely a uh, reassuring side. I mean, it it was cool to see him not have to rely on that grappling base that we know he has and know is phenomenal. Um, and it's cool to see how well-rounded he is.
2: And you can weirdly, it almost weirdly foreshadows this week's card a little bit because I believe the last guy at Brendan Allen fell to was that of Sean Strickland. So, and via striking bout. So it really, it, it honestly kind of, for me, I'm going to talk about it later when we get into the main event for this upcoming card. But I think it's going to show how good Sean Strickland is because Brendan Allen just, I don't want to say dismantled, but definitely got the better of of Puna, LA, Soriano last weekend.
0: And the last thing we have to say about that is just interesting, uh, different fight camps. You have Brandon Allen who got brutally knocked out by Strickland, and he, now he's fought and won twice since then. And this will be the first time Strickland's fought.
2: Yeah, I mean Brandon Allen is ha, seems beyond uh, active uh, compared to Sean Strickland. For sure.
0: It's just surprising after being the yeah. one who's brutally knocked out to be more active than the guy who knocked you out.
2: No, you absolutely you rarely see that. Almost, almost never. I was actually like looking through some people that I was expecting to have fights scheduled like earlier this week, and a lot of the guys that are coming off knockouts. The one that I'm thinking of is Calvin Cater, who got dismantled by Max Holloway. He's still not booked after six months off, so you, you rarely see it. Um, Julio Arce is a guy I talked about a lot on the pod. We had some Twitter engagement during the fight card with a, a fan of the show talking about how he also rode Julio Arce due to some of the stuff said on this podcast. Julio Ar- Arce versus Andre Ewell. He-, he won via KOTKO round two, round 345 in. And it went similarly how I expected. Julio continues to show power for that, ban- that 135 division. And a guy who hasn't been super active, I would argue extremely inactive. I think this is his first fight in two years it was nice to see him back in there.
0: Definitely a a great bounce in the right direction for him. Uh, He looks super exciting. And as you said, his power is awesome.
2: Yeah. So he, he got the better of Andre Yule who also is known to be a striker. Last one. I'll I'll give it two more. Uh, Nasruddin Imovolve, Dan, Uh, you, you called this one defeated Ian Heinish K O T K O round three that go how you expected? Did he show you something you didn't see? I mean, where where are we with, with not? He look good. Heinrich yeah. made it
0: ugly. He did everything in his power to, to to try and clinch, try and not let Imubov just lay into him. But Imubov showed his power. He, he, I, I think I said on the last episode, he had a little bit of a lack of aggression in his last fight. Uh, I think it was to Phil Hawes that he came on strong in the third after kind of getting a little bit overpowered in the first two but what he showed in that third round is really what we saw all three rounds of this and and I guess yeah t- I, all two rounds of it but
2: yeah
0: it was absolutely awesome Evolv looks like a great prospect at 185 middleweight yeah
2: not only that but at 25 years young i was saying that you might see being out of that MMA factory camp you might see crazy fight over fight improvements and from the Phil Hawes fight to the Ian Heinish fight, I, I think it delivered. So hats off to MMA Factory. You did a good job with this young prospect. Big fan. Lastly, Mickey Gall. Lastly for the prelims, Mickey Gall sub Jordan Williams. I'm, an, I'm a Mickey Gall perennial fade guy, but I think this is more – instead of reflecting as, wow, is Mickey Gall turning a corner, I think this is more of, wow, Jordan Williams might not be the fighter we thought he was.
0: So I think I might have a little bit of a different take than you. Go ahead. Um,
2: I'm
0: hoping for. Mickey Gall's a guy we've agreed upon and has, has never really taken that next step forward or turn the corner, as you just mentioned. Um, and part of it what I th- was what I thought due to him being so young in his debut and, and especially so young in his career, just coming off of like being one and oh, I think, in other promotions and being put into these UFC fights. And as a result, he's been given the gimmicky, like, CM Punk, Satan North cuts. But for me, it's shown how hard he's worked. And it kind of has shown maybe even a blueprint for, I don't know, I guess I don't know so much a blueprint, but it might show that guys like Chase Hooper aren't big mistakes. And it's not such a big mistake for the UFC to go after these young prospects at a young age. Uh, even though we've seen in the past, them ruin guys like say Northcutt and, and completely yeah. mentally demolish people earlier in their careers.
2: Yeah, it is. It is a double edged sword because you see some guys who grow from it because you need to earn that experience inside the octagon. It's and you've also seen some guys fall to it. You you look at at a guy like Mickey Gall. He he pretty much started his career in the ufc which is beyond rare and he got mike jackson cm punk sage northcott okay three zero. i mean three guys that i mean sage i consider a real fighter but cm punk and mike jackson are are more caricatures honestly but then this is the one that stuck out to me as he started to get up in competition he's getting ground and pounded by 43 year old diego sanchez now is that a skill problem or is that a experience problem? That's the question.
0: Unless I'm confusing that, I, I thought that was a game plan problem for him. I thought that he showed that he was super one dimensional versus Randy Brown and Diego. And, and, if, yeah. and this was kind of his chance to show that he improved it a little bit. And that's kind of what I'm getting at that interest. I see a more, I see a more well-rounded fighter than I've seen it at all in Mickey Gall's career. And I'm not saying that I'm willing to back him next time he's coming out, but. He definitely looked – You know, I, I like, like that wrestling viewpoint
2: wrestling. because I always looked at him as a poor man's BJJ specialist. you know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't look at his striking as a threat evident by the Mike Perry fight, and I think that, like, his BJJ, although it is a threat, there are other people in his exact weight class who I'm more threatened by. So seeing some of his canceled bouts, like Alex Oliveira, Miguel Baeza, like I think those guys dismantle him personally.
0: But yeah, I guess, you're not wrong.
2: The Jordan Williams win is a step in the right direction. Let's get over to the main card here. That's all there is for the prelims main card. Adrian Yanez beat Randy Costa. And I had a somewhat controversial tweet from the ankle pick pod. I said, I used the, the Q word, which I don't like using with these fighters because I won't even step in the ring, let alone at this high level. But I felt like Randy Costa got out the first round was winning. And, and, and I think he kind of, Threw in the towel a little bit. I I, I didn't. I saw his will break. And I, and so I dropped the quit word, which I'm not apologizing for. But Adrian Yanez wins by KOTK round two.
0: Yeah, I won't make that same claim. For me, this was just a super fun fight. Uh, Costa had his chances in the first. Um, he definitely hurt Yanez a couple times. But Yanez is tough as nails and came back in the second and just did what he had to do for Dr. Pepper.
2: I don't know. I mean, he kind of just, it looked like he was ready to drop. Didn't have a lot of fight. And the thing that's the most interesting about that tweet is, is actually the most liked tweet of the night. So some of our followers agree. Random Maverick lost of controversial decision. Probably at least the one that I think is the most controversial on the night. There's another one coming up that Kyler Phillips, Julian and Piva. Some people also said was controversial in that Kyler Phillips got a, 10 eight in the first one judge had it the other two didn't did you find either of those decisions controversial
0: Macy Barber, I thought I thought that member. the Maverick decision was more controversial than the Piva decision um, you could you could kind of see Kyler fading there I was confused by both but not entirely surprised or shocked by both we've seen worse uh, we will see worse in the future Um yeah, it, it stinks from Miranda Maverick, but she'll be back.
2: She's yeah, young, she looked great. You've been on Miranda Maverick every time we've ever discussed her on this show. You've been talking about how she's being groomed slowly to be a top level talent. And I, I and this see-
0: was a test for her, this wasn't what? so much a groom, but I mean, Macy Barber is a girl we were talking about, I think, at the beginning of the podcast a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. As someone who had a chance—I mean, albeit a slim chance, the very slimmest—of um, breaking John Jones's record of the youngest UFC champion of all time, that was her goal. She was vocalized about, or she was vocalizing that, uh, as unrealistic as it was. But it's a woman who who had a lot of hype at one point, and this is definitely not a, a walkover fight for Miranda Maverick. And I mean, she lost it. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't a walkover and fight. It was close. I think
2: this is one of those that especially as the women's division starts to fill up a little bit. This is something that I see will have a, not a trilogy, but at least a, a, a part two to it. I don't think this, this matchup is done yet. I mean, one's 25, one's 24. Their their career trajectory is very similar and their skill sets appear to be very similar as well. But I did feel robbed by this one. I had Miranda Maverick for a unit. So I want to disclose that that I might be biased, but, I was shocked by the decision, went right to Twitter and it seemed like I wasn't the only one. But I, I really wanted to hear your guys' opinion on whether or not that was actually as, as controversial as I thought it was.
0: I definitely thought it was the most controversial of the night, but I- Yeah.
2: I agree. I, I had Paiva. I was tweeting it from the ankle pick pod that I had Paiva. A couple people disagreed, but it sounded like the room mostly also had Paiva. Um, also the, Darren, the angst well, towards
0: the referees only grew. I mean, you, you touched on the Phil filler Phillips, but getting into the main event, that's a fight that a lot of people saw scorecards going a lot of different places.
2: Yeah. And I, I, and let's, yeah, let's, let's go to the main event here. Corey Sandhagen lost to TJ Dillashaw returning from a two-year suspension for EPO usage. TJ wins. Uh, I believe it's, it was a split. TJ wins a split decision, five-round main event fight. I had the decision for TJ, 3-2. I do want to hear everyone's cards here from the panel. What what did you have, Dan? We'll start there, and we'll kind of make our way around.
0: Yeah, I I also had TJ, 3-2. I thought it was super impressive the way he gutted it out after a clear knee injury in round one, and also that cut that obviously was – what postponed the fight to begin with, but was reopened yeah. pretty quickly in the fight. And I mean, New York commission might've stopped that, but luckily we were in Vegas. Um, if, if the scoring system changes, maybe San Hagen wins the fight. I think he did more damage as evident by TJ's bum knee and his cut across his eyebrow. But I think that by the 10, nine must system, I, I gave three rounds to TJ. I think that's like beyond a perfect explanation. Like if it is, I know Joe Rogan
2: talks about this a lot. And some of the other commentators talk about a lot, how they go, well, it's, it's the damage system. You know what I mean? I've seen Sean O'Malley get wheeled out of the cage before on a stretcher and gets the win, but mainly Andre Sukumtot, which he clearly won the fight based on the ten nine must system. But some people are arguing that it should be a, a damage system and, and there's, there's some that say it should be a whole fight. You know, you let them go five rounds and just pick a winner back in like the pride days. But Kobe, how did you see this one? Dillashaw, Sandhagen.
1: I hate to nitpick, uh, especially like individual judges' scorecards, but I think that it, pretty across the board, for the most part, everyone saw Dillashaw one, Sandhagen two, Dillashaw three, Sandhagen four. And then it was the kind of the split fifth that ended up being the determining factor. We had a judge give dillashaw the fourth over sandhagen and he gave sandhagen the fifth which really flipped the entire result right because if if the judge gives the fourth to sandhagen then that's two or three going sandhagen's way all of a sudden i don't i I started with i hate to nitpick because i don't think that this is the wrong decision i think that dillashaw probably won that fight i i was sitting on a sandhagen bet so i I was rooting for him but i wasn't shocked by anything that went down just a little bit suspect that, like, I, I think that we're all on the same page, that it went alternating rounds through the first four, and the fifth probably pushed it over the edge to Dillashaw. But, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here. Parker, is that how you saw it? That's how I saw it, too. I also was up with Kobe, and I had, was wanting Sanhagen. I was pulling for Sanhagen a little bit. Um, my question to you guys, do you guys think this will, this will be another fight we see again?
2: It would have to be significantly down the line because I think TJ's kind of eyeing a title at this point. And I don't know if people are clamoring for, you know, a number one contender rematch here, especially because the bantamweights are so deep, stacked. top to bottom. Yeah, that both Loaded of you guys will there. have a lot of different matchups that they can take. To Kobe's point, though, I was, again, at Twitter, at AnklePickPod, we had another uh, listener engaged that, his discrepancy was he gave Sandhagen the first. So I think the first and the fifth were the two that were the most up in the air. So I am shocked by that one judge giving the fourth. And this just shows how muddy these these cards can get because you go, oh, well, TJ won a split decision. That's fine. And then you look at the scorecards, you're like, wait a second, wait a second. The judge might have scored it for TJ, but how did TJ get the fourth? You know what I mean? Like Things like that, which, Yeah. It, it gets weird. And, and it's evident. I mean, on this main card out of the three decisions, you could argue that all three were controversial decisions.
0: So my question coming out of this, do either of these guys stand a chance against Piotr? What do you, what do y'all think?
2: I think the only guy, I think TJ does. I think Corey does not.
1: I think they both would have a chance. I, I, eh. I I think that you run this fight 10 times you get five or you get each one win five times like I think that this is an even matchup between Sandhagen and Dillashaw I think they both deserve the chance at Jan but uh, I don't know the
2: problem is and I hate to be this guy that and I keep bringing this up on every single podcast that Corey Sandhagen's on but Aljo just dismantled it and and so that that Aljo fight does not happen to
0: T.J. It just doesn't.
2: He has the experience. while
1: they're
0: yeah. dry, whatever. I'm, I'm agreeing with Reese Moore here. One, Kobe, I, I think that Corey showed egregious wrestling holes. And obviously, they were, like, exposed in the Aljo fight. But that was so quick. That could be a fluke. They were dry, whatever. TJ was able to control him, even without, like, being dominant, but was able to win rounds against a guy who was beating him the hell up. Uh, a thing that Piotr can do way better than TJ. Exactly. And on the other side, I saw TJ maybe with some durability problems. I see a younger, faster, better boxer in Piotr and a guy that pr- can probably out grapple a, a more fragile human. I don't know how – I'm a big Piotr Jan stan, as I've yeah. made evident on, in past episodes, but this for me showed he still is mean, levels above the rest of these ways. Yeah, and
2: TJ is – 35 now and you also always ask yourself when people have performance enhancing drugs what type of toll does it take on their body you know you don't know how that negatively affects your your durability but yeah i mean if i said like hey if i asked everyone in this panel who's going to be holding bantamweight gold by 2022 2023 i bet we unanimously say piotr would be my guess does anyone object to that
1: as long as it get dq'd again i think we'll be fine
0: yeah. yeah, I think his most formidable
1: opponent at this time is the rule book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, though. So Sorry. ready for a little crossover into a future segment here. Yeah. And uh, Danny and I were sitting down watching this one. Dan- I think at the end of round two, Danny's sitting there saying, "I hope that Corey loses so I can buy up all the Sandigan cards on the market." Oh yeah. Because I big think time. Now- so
2: now, Dan, live live from the Ankle Pick Pod headquarters. Have you picked up any Corey Sandhagen?
0: I have not yet. It's been a slow week for me on eBay. I was telling Reese earlier that I've really only made one purchase. I haven't been as active as I wanted to, uh, but it was a great one. I mean, Mojo Auto, yeah. uh, Jessica Andrade, I'm big team Andrade now. Let's go. Let's no, and the that's,
2: a, that's one of the better parts of the hobby too. You become these like – I'm a Marab I'm super fan at this point, uh, which is awesome. Darren Elkins also defeated KOTKO Derek, uh, Derek Minner. Just wanted to mention that quick because he was the underdog and I, I also yeah, just,
0: just don't gas out about against Darren Elkins and you'll be good.
2: Right. Don't gas out against Darren Elkins and, and Darren Elkins just seems to escape every single submission. But I did want to mention that because as we get to the MCC later, this fight will be brought up again because your boy has gained some ground. Any, I'm leaving this open to the panel. Anybody else have anything to add from last week's card before we move on to news and notes?
1: I'll roll through bonuses real quick. Fight of the night was Paiva's win over Phillips, 50K to each of them, and then performance bonuses to Yanez and Elkins for their knockouts.
2: Yanez and Elkins. Okay. I'm I surprised
1: RSA got nothing. Yeah, oh, there's a bunch Arce. of good finishes. There's a bunch of good fights on this one.
2: Yeah. Emovolve, even Mickey Gall. I mean, I think Mickey Gall was just a lesser caliber win, but that was a quick submission. So you Eubanks, such a big favorite. Yeah, I, I'm not upset with any of those bonuses. Oh, and I also want to to mention this right now to everyone on the panel and all the listeners right now. For next week's podcast, we're gonna re- we're gonna return back to this quickly. I want everyone to make up in their mind or or even write down what they would make the, the men's pound for pound list. And the reason why I asked this, I don't want to say this on the spot, but the reason why I asked this is because I was going through, and here's a couple, I was looking through rankings today uh, around lunch, and I was going through the pound for pound. A couple things I noticed that's just absolutely wild to me. Charles Oliveira is below Max Holloway pound for pound, which Charles is holding gold right now and he's behind five guys that are not holding gold. The other thing that struck me in the top 15 pound-for-pound for for the UFC rankings, Piotr Jan is higher than Aljamain Sterling. What are we to make of that?
0: We're going to have to make some rules for our setting of our ranking because I'm looking at the pound-for-pound list, and number one is a guy who hasn't fought in, what, like two and a half years? Yeah. And might never fight again. Next week will be the third time... UFC is coming to Houston since he last fought, which was also in Houston.
2: Yeah. I mean that just says what we're doing with here, but you have guys who are holding gold under guys who aren't holding gold. You have Piotr Jan over Aljamain Sterling. I mean that if that doesn't tell you what the UFC thinks of their bantamweight champion, I don't know what does.
0: I mean, you're you're burying the lead. You've got you mentioned just or Charles Oliveira's ranking at 10. Yep. You are looking who's at 6? Dustin Poirier another yeah. non-gold holding guy it's ahead of the <laughs> this, this segment sucks because the whole pound
1: for pound list sucks
2: uh, well I, I thought it would it would be interesting to see how it's a
1: gimmick are. but it's a fun gimmick let's let's get on it next week
2: yeah with that going forward news and notes
0: kobe what do we got after that let's debate mj versus lebron
2: <laughs> oh god but if any of our listeners want to chime in at any of our socials at ankle, ankle pick pod i am beyond curious to see where your discrepancies are on the, the pound for pound list? Because I was looking at this one and I, I was, I could not believe it. I mean, I when I saw that Piotr was over Aljo, and I agree, Piotr's over Aljo, but I just think it's wild the UFC would just blatantly say that, which is just crazy to me. And, and also,
0: and- it's MJ like at seven days um, out of the week. I was gonna say to Danny's point, this is a Kobe
1: podcast. Let's go. No. Some- <laughs> 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 um, all right, we got a couple of fight announcements. They're just fight scheduling. We got going on. Rumor has it, this is not confirmed, but it's looking all the more likely that the till Brunson fight night, or I don't know if it was going to be a pay-per-view card or not, but that was scheduled to be in London. Uh, looks like that's going to be moved back to Vegas. I think that was originally scheduled for September. Um, but I think that there's a lot of moving pieces all of a sudden with the reschedule. Um 267 is in Abu Dhabi hopefully that's that's now we're talking late October for 267 with two title fights on that card that's going to be the rematch of Aljo Jan that we kind of have been talking about all day as well as Jan Blahovic and Glover Teixeira for the light heavy what a card 268 also announced we've got Usman Covington for the title and that's hopefully going to be at madison square garden in november again a couple of moving pieces there um as far as fight announcements go that's all i've got we've got a couple of sad pieces of news and notes here but first we've got chris Wyman, who looks like he's headed for another surgery after his leg is not quite properly healing i don't know if anybody's got anything to add on that that's just tough 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 Thing for the sport i mean that's what it comes down to unfortunately and the
2: only thing i have to add is i remember when it first happened we were all wondering or debating if if we will see him again hearing news like this makes me lean towards that we might not we might have seen the last of chris Weidman.
0: yeah i think i agree and i know i've spoken
1: bad about him in the past but i definitely wish him to get healthy quick yeah injuries are the worst
2: oh the worst yeah
1: spoken bad about him as in you don't think he's going to win fights not wishing right yeah not great. as a person right Um, another sad piece that I'll just hand it off to Danny, but the death squad, go for it. Yeah. John Danaher
0: posted on his Instagram. Uh, I think it was on Monday, the end of the most formidable jujitsu team of all time. Danaher death squad, uh, included guys I've talked about a lot on this podcast. I mean, Gary Tone and Gordon Ryan, Craig Jones, Eddie Cummings, Nicky Ryan, Nick Rodriguez, uh, Vinnie Magelheise. I mean, many more. Won many ADCC World Championships between, I mean, I mean at this point double digits. Uh, it, it's sad because they, I mean, they're responsible with really evolving the leg lock game, magnifying it as, as one of the most formidable tools in Jujitsu, and really just being dominant with it in the highest level competitions in the world. I mean, in every fucking weight class, I that just with the list of guys I just named, it's unbelievable. It says that they're gonna. Stop training as a unified squad and competition team. What really got to me was the, the the comment that most of us still get along very well, which makes me believe that with a little bit of digging I'll be able to figure out there's a bad apple involved. And I'm sad because a lot of these guys are my favorite jujitsu practitioners in the world and I don't want any of them to be the thorn in the side that breaks up the team. It sucks. Say,
2: this might be that old saying of never meet your heroes. You might not want to find out who's the guy. Or who are the, the – No, yeah, Gordon guys. Ryan's
0: an asshole from what everything I can tell from <laughs> any of his interviews. But, man, it's the dude a wizard at jujitsu.
2: No, he's great. And, you know, you don't know where – I mean, I was just – when I read that news, I more was just thinking, like, I wonder wh- what's going to form from these guys. Are, are, are new squads going to form? Are there rivalries brewing? I mean, this could be big for the sport. It could be bad for the sport. I'm, I'm and it really
0: opens sure. up some question marks going into this – fight card this week i was trying to get some answers and i couldn't so uh i mean i'll bring it up when we go over the fight but listeners if you got answers for me i need answers
2: yeah then that's at dkmma longhorn backslash ankle pick pod slash tracked capper mma
0: (laughs) at longhorn mma for our first episode on the glorious believe network let's get it right
2: all right you're right i apologize for that it's 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 whatever he just said, so you might need to rewind because I'm not even going to try it. Also, <laughs> MMA. nope, not doing it. I, I refuse to succumb. Do we have any more news and notes? Because I have a couple. Not a couple.
1: Um, The last piece for me is just the, the weak card that we've got ahead of us has gotten a little bit weaker even since we recorded Set the Spread. Copy Law is out of the Alvi match. That's rescheduled, I think, to late August, maybe on 266, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, Abdul Rakimovs out of the Dawkus fight that to my knowledge has not been rescheduled and not,
2: which by the way Dawkus has been chirping because apparently it's Shamil feels exhausted from after recovering from COVID sounds like he, he had COVID a while ago so Dawkus is kind of calling him out being like you've had your time to raster you scared to." sounds fight?
1: to me like a weight cut excuse
2: sounds like something
1: and then Munir Lazez also out. Looks like
2: that one's tragic. Yeah, yeah it looks
1: like Nicholas Stolze, Stoltze, That could be a pronunciation. He got a
2: he got Jared Gooden. Yeah, he got Jared Gooden,
1: he got Jared Gooden on short notice, so there there will be a fight there. But man, this this is a thin card, getting thinner.
2: No, this this card has gotten plagued. I mean, I'm just looking under topology. There's like eight canceled fights now. So, I mean, and some, some big names too. Oh, the Sam Alvey fights off. That was Roman love you mentioned. Well, this Rick one Fox got canceled is. a
0: while ago, but most notably for me is the Asker, 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 Asker yeah, yeah, Alex yeah, yeah. Perez. Asker Ascroff is a guy Kobe mentioned in that uh, future segment that I have a lot of stake yep. in. Which by
2: fan. the way, and the future segment card related, both those guys, Alex Perez and Asker Astro not only in the title hunt, but also considered rookies via the card world. Um, My news quickly, just because I always like to do this when we release them early enough, we're recording this Wednesday night. Thursday night, if you're listening to this, there is a one championship event. Friday night, there will be an LFA event, LFA 113. And then Saturday night, obviously, there's going to be UFC fight night, but there's also going to be a really good Bellator card, Bellator 263. So for all those MMA fans who don't get the full the full uh, monkey off their back from just the UFC. There's three other uh, promotions fighting as well. So
0: be honest with me, Reese, which one are you watching Bellator or UFC on Saturday?
2: No comment. (laughs) It's probably the, I'll have them both on, but I I think I'm going
0: over the dark side.
2: Yeah, I might for this one too. The the Bellator fights, the the Bellator fight card, in all honesty, at least the main event definitely has me more excited. But you're looking at some – I mean, you're looking at Usman Nurmagomedov,
0: Mads Burnell, ex-UFC, um, Brett – How big of a favorite is Usman? Is it – got a 1,000 in front of it, a 10 in front of it? Probably. I mean,
2: I can't even imagine. But, dude, Brent Primus is fighting. And and against Islam Mamadev, who's 19-101. I mean, these names that we just rattled off, these are guys that you will probably see in the UFC down the line if they don't spend their – career in, in bellator because these are high high level mixed martial artists so if you want to get in on it before it's before they're mainstream you might want to check out bellator this weekend also and last
0: but not least in yeah. terms of combat sports there's been some awesome action in the olympics in terms of boxing judo sambo um wrestling and, and and that's been that's just been dope i don't really have anything specific to call out but it's just been dope and it's fun to watch yeah. the com- or the summer olympics with a new Love for combat sports. I'm so sure a lot of y'all have the same feelings. If you're feelings. not
2: getting your fix in, like Danny and I can never really get our fix in, You have, uh, Olympic combat sports is more than entertaining. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. So let's move on to this week's card. And I preface this now with due to all the scratches and just overall not really having a lot of spots to bet, my breakdowns will be minimal.
0: Danny, I'm right there with you.
2: If you're in the same boat, we don't need to get bogged down talking about fights that we probably won't touch. Um, but this, this card, we, we usually like to break down every fight and give as much as we can, but there's been so many cancellations and and weird lines and, and also just not a ton of betting spots. And I know we like to focus on that. So I don't want to get too bogged down Bogdanovich on a card that won't see a lot of action and, and honestly, at, at this rate, doesn't seem like it's going to get a ton of viewers either from what I'm understanding in the social media hemisphere. But we might as well start it off now. Walter Waite bout, Phillip Rowe, I think he's making his second or third UFC appearance. I believe he fought in the contender series against Orion Kos- 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 I, I. He's definitely making his UFC debut because that name does not sound too familiar. Danny, you got anything on this?
0: yeah just a quick tidbit Orion Cosey is a guy coming off the contender series um, as you said he's making his debut he's a good prospect he's a guy that I actually had on a list that I was reading a recent pre-show I made over a year ago um, him and his brother were both on it his brother has since lost and actually his brother had a little bit more of the hype but oh is this the brother that you
2: rode and he gassed out and you got all, like as a big favorite?
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> future friend of the program, Orion Kosi. Yep. Um, but he, he, this is the, this is his brother was the one who gasped. This is the future friend of the program. This is the guy I'm gonna maybe back again. Okay. He has like pressure his opponents and has good wrestling, good boxing, and the less hype taken off both of him and his brother's names. I think they were both undefeated until his brother just lost. I think He's that's gonna still help. Undefeated. But I think that's gonna help him. Just his brother losing and like seeing yeah. that that can happen, and, and it's not so bad. You're you're not you're not done. And looking at uh, Philip Rose last fight, the Gabriel Green one, yep. he really struggled with that pressure that Gabe Green put on him. I think Orion Cosey's is gonna approach him the exact same way. And I do also want to
2: add that the line here for a guy that might see a spot on Dan's card. Uh, Orion is minus 145. So that's really not that steep of a price to pay for an undefeated prospect coming in off the contender series, as well as Philip Rowe standing across from him. I mean, Philip Rowe, from what I taped on him, it, like you said, Dan, in that Gabe Green fight, he, he was outclassed to the up, utmost degree. And I also remember him from the contender series and, and rewatched that one recently as well. And I believe, and 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 I don't want to be quoted on this, but I believe that that this is Edmund Shabazian's brother. Uh, the Leon Shabazian? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I remember him retiring after this fight. It, it looks like he has a fight booked, but so whatever's that worth, that's a little cool little, uh, I don't know. Not I'm not even going to call it a tidbit, but something worth noting that Philip Rowe, has fought some experienced fighters before. And obviously this isn't his first fight in the UFC, but you can get an undefeated prospect on the other side.
0: With the one in front of it. Yeah,
2: maybe he can learn from his brother's mistakes. Moving up the card, Ronnie Lawrence, he was in a canceled bout before. Trevin Jones looks like he stepped up on short notice to replace. uh, Do we we have who got called off that Ronnie Lawrence? It was John Uh, Castaneda. John Castaneda, that's right. So... Trevin Jones stepping up on short notice. I believe it's a, a week or two, and the line is Ronnie Lawrence minus one hundred and fifty, Trevin Jones plus one hundred and
0: thirty. So throwback to one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, I you, bet like, against...
2: you like you're Ronnie Lawrence guy.
0: Well, no, no, I was going to say I bet against Trevin Jones uh, in his debut. I think to against Timur Baliev, a spot Trevin Jones was a massive dog. Um, and, and trevin jones was getting demolished in the first round he showed that he's tough as nails great chin he showed great takedown defense even though he's getting teed off by timmer and actually caught him in round two a fight that got reversed to a no contest i think for marijuana later but it was still a, yeah. is, is still a good gold star on his record and and something i'm not going to forget especially against a grappler as reese you said i've mentioned lawrence in the past is a great grappler it, I wouldn't go even far to say it's phenomenal. He rolls with Bryce Mitchell on the regular who I've said is one of the top level jujitsu black belts, um, in MMA, but he does have defensive holes on the feet, which, which is what worries me about this. We saw Jones catch Valiev just with one quick one and drop him. And the fight was over like that. I can kind of see that's how I kind of think that's how this one's going to lay out. I think Lawrence is going to, Go, go for broke, kind of, for, for some submissions early and then get caught as the fight wears well, on.
2: Honestly, Trevin Jones, because I was also on Timor Valiev, you're yeah. getting a guy at a dog price here who's shown at UFC level caliber that he belongs here. And, and not that Ronnie Lawrence hasn't, but who do you favor in Ronnie Lawrence versus Timor Valiev?
0: Yeah, even in just a grappling match. Not I think Timur Baliev just fucking pressures the hell yeah. out of him and Baliev's sneaky jiu-jitsu won't be enough. I, I don't so, see him as the more athletic guy in this. So, I, I mean, Trevin's by far the most athletic guy or the more athletic guy.
2: Yeah, so honestly, two decent spots going off the card for a, a fight card that I classified as almost unbeddable. Moving up, women's strawweight bout. Jin Yu Fry versus Ashley Yoder. This is another one that had a fight cancellation i believe jenny fry was scheduled to fight somebody else i might be mistaken. nope she was she was jenny fry versus estella nunez nunez withdrew and so ashley yoder stepped up to fight here in this spot and ashley yoder is actually going to be the favorite here at minus 150 jenny fry plus 130
0: yeah, Reese keeps talking about sneaky spots that uh, might see a, a Saturday card, and this continues to be one of them. I say all the time a woman's dog or pass, and this is no change. We've got a short notice favorite here, a girl who I don't think is all that incredible. I think she yeah, she's, what, eight and seven? Eight and um, seven in
2: Quest, And tends I Tends to rely on her
0: length, like, isn't very skilled
2: anywhere. She struggled in the, uh, she was on the Ultimate Fighter and struggled, and then In the UFC too, she's been oh significantly sub five hundred. I believe three and six, three and seven in the UFC. So the the so the real question you got to ask yourself when you're looking to back this is where do you put Jinyu Fry amongst these strawweights?
0: So I don't think that she's a contender. I don't think she's incredible. I I mean, we saw her get dominated by my girl loma yeah Loma. Who, but that's a
2: different beast yeah
0: but i mean but loma is a, a natural atom weight this isn't yeah. a girl who should be dominating you in the clinch and Yu fry was really having trouble i just think she's the more solid martial artist here she should have more output ashley yoder on a short notice is not going to get my favorite money i think that there's an opportunity to play a dog or pass but it's woman's mma so anything can happen and this is no by no means a max play.
2: Yeah, no, and you you pretty much said a lot of what I took away. I rewatched the Luma fight again, and I was concerned by the clinch control. But again, we also at least I definitely look at Luma as like one of my favorite fighters for sure. Being so, she usually comes in outsized and just
0: Are we gonna get her rating, rookie card in the in the second prison oh,
2: class. Please, please, I'll grade all of them. Her Muay Thai is just – it drops my jaw. But the other thing, too, is Yoder's going to have a huge size advantage, so it's going to be interesting to see at 5'7 versus 5'3 if that's going to play a big factor. I don't know if there's going to – what the game plan looks like for these girls. I mean, the problem with capping women's MMA, or at least the problem I find, is so often they there's, – they, there's no one that's set to one style stylistically, so you never really know – how this fight's going to turn out so it's hard to cap uh is what i found but this one's going to be interesting i I do see dogger pass as well but ultimately probably a pass on my end yeah continuing up these prelims bouts and as always i give you time frames these prelims start at five o'clock this saturday main cards looking to start at eight so hopefully a little bit later of a night it's been so weird having these ufc cards end at nine o'clock on a saturday i'm like they usually have my night spoken for. Now I'm like, I don't have an excuse to not go out. I'm like, shit, I am a little buzzed. But, man, this thing ended at nine. Moving up. By bout: about Danny Chavez, Kai Kamaka. Kai Kamaka has bit this podcast in the ass far too many times. Will he do it again? Kai Kamaka is minus 115. Danny Chavez minus 105.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, this is slight. But I think I also kind of agree with this. The minus 105 slight dog and Danny Chavez, uh, or not agree with, but favor. He's a good striker. He keeps his distance. Um, he picks his shots well. He's got sharp calf kicks. He does have trouble with grapplers. Um Kaikamaka isn't really a guy I'd classify as a grappler. He Kaikamaka more likes to brawl. He's he's more of a pocket boxer. He stands really heavy on that front foot, which is just a combination for a calf kick that isn't great um I don't know I think that Chavez is gonna be able to keep his footwork going and pick him apart um I, again I think I'm gonna to have to do a little bit more research and cue into my Twitter on on Friday or Saturday and I'll have my final back card out because it probably won't have Chavez on it but this is definitely a lean at this point in the week so for me Kamak kind of crushed
2: me at this point I mean like you said, he's a brawler. He's willing to let it get ugly, but I also look at him as someone who likes to strike along with Danny Chavez. And I feel like we usually see Kai Kamaka giving up reach at 145. I believe he might've fought up at 155, but Jonathan Pierce, TJ Brown, you, you Tony Kelly, you see him giving up size I mean, I know against TJ Brown, he gave up a couple inches in both height and reach. Now, if you want to go to MMA math, okay, TJ Brown beat Kai Kamaka, lost to Danny Chavez, but Kai Kamaka for, the, for one of the first times is not actually giving up reach advantage here and actually has two and a half inches on Danny Chavez. So I don't know if that'll play a factor when being on the feet. And, and I, I worry that – because I've been high on Kai Kamaka. Not high, but I've liked him. Coming off two UFC losses, man, I, I wonder if he's going to change his game script a little bit. That's what Kai's I was, also
0: got a big-time age advantage at 26 versus Danny Chavez 34. 34,
2: yeah. yeah. Which, again, but then you also have to ask, what took Danny Chavez to 30 or 33 to crack into the UFC? You know what I mean? Like, these are the questions – I like to ask. I don't think we've seen the Elastic Kamaka. I think that the raw base is there. But it even here,
0: I I personally didn't have a spot. There are a lot of guys with the really weird records on this card. Yeah, this All is a weird one. Card. Now guys, but I meant men and women.
2: This one's interesting. Chris Gritzmacher, ex UFC uh, tough guy versus Hoffa Garcia. And the line is Gritzmacher. Plus 255, half Garcia, minus 310.
0: Yeah, I don't so much agree with the line, but okay, I do you. think that Hoff is the favorite. He looked real good even in that unanimous decision lost to Nasrat. They were trading in the first. It, I mean, it looked like it was going to Nasrat, but it looked like, I mean, Garcia was not any kind of a step over. Um, as long as his, his chin isn't gone, I think it was a pretty quick turnaround on that. Nazrat fight but as long as his chin isn't gone Grootsmacher stinks Grootsmacher doesn't have yeah. a legit win in like six years um I, I think he what says it best is a loss to uh Lobov
2: oh he lost to a lot of guys
0: Artem Lobov. Lobov
2: on his ultimate fighter season which is just hilarious he's lost to Chaz Scully who I believe has since retired or he's or he's no, he's not retired, but he's 36 and has come back from retirement. Davi Hamos, that's a good win. Uh, Alexander Hernandez, but you're not wrong. It's been a minute since he's won. It looks like, other than Joe Lozon in 2018, when we've, it's like 2015. So, Chris Gritzmacher, the feeling of winning is, has not been in his graces recently. Parker, I hope you're ready because I hope you didn't think you were going to sign on to this podcast and get away from pronunciation of the week. So Colin Anglin is fighting who in this featherweight bout after the Chris Gritzbacher-Hafa Garcia?
1: I'll be honest. I thought I was going to get away with one this week, guys. <laughs>
2: I'm getting the call from upstairs. It can't happen.
1: Mel's. No.
0: Fuck. Hold on. need my glasses.
2: Get everything you need.
0: Melsic? Bangladesh? <laughs> Baghadassarine? Hey, that's not terrible. Uh, th- this is one I worked John Annick today on. He gave me a call on my celly, you know. Uh, and it's Melsic, Baghadassarine. Bak- well, Baghadassarine. Nice
2: fuck job,
0: you too, Danny. Nice job.
2: Thank you, John Anik, for helping Danny out with the pronunciation just so we have it ready to go when Danny is – or when Parker is failing miserably. Parker, overall, I give it a C minus. You got the first name right, and so that's all. That's more than I was going to be able to did do.
1: Did I, though? Like, I don't know if I did.
2: <laughs> just say you did for the free points. You're coming off a championship. I'll give you this one. Danny. Now that we have the fight announced, thank you, Parker. What do you what do you what do you got in this one? The line is minus 135 for Bachadaserarian. Colin Anglin coming in as the dog.
0: Yeah, this is definitely one of the fights that played into what Reese said at the very beginning why we're so lukewarm on this whole show. We've got two fighters here who are coming off the contender series who did not receive contracts in their contender series. And their only contender series fights. Um, getting the call now because Dana needs to fill out names on a roster for this week. Melsick on one side, a decent striker. We're seeing a lot of first round finishes in decent or in lower promotions. A lot of like first minute of the first round finishes. Throws a lot in every punch, especially that left hand down the pipe that he showed in the Dana White contender series, but. That does leave him with a little bit of a questionable gas tank. I don't know if that was just being under the bright lights of DWCS, but he seemed to unload in the first, and he was accurate as hell, landing everything, but couldn't seem to get the guy out of there. And it it was hurting him later as the fight went on. On the other side, Anglin, wrestling background, and he was set up in his contender series fight um, I think is a big dog against uh an, another pronunciation of the week contender. I'm not even going to try because I haven't practiced on it, but Naimov or Naimov is, is his last name. Uh, a guy who threw absolutely everything in the kitchen sink at England and England held on, got his strip takedowns, got his double legs, controlled the fight, ended up gassing out Na, Naimov, and, and that kind of left me with a lot of question marks as to how I think this fight's going to play out. And I mean, I, I'm going to go with what I see in front of me. This is a big pass for me. I think it's going to be exactly how both of their Danaway contender series went. I think that Bagadas is going to throw everything at him in the first round, gas a little bit, land a lot of shots, do a lot of damage. And then we're going to see a lot of wrestling from England and eventually just take a decision. I, I don't feel comfortable on either side.
2: Yeah. Thank you for doing so much research because this is exactly what I was talking about. I don't have a whole lot to add here on this one. All I have is that it's an absolute pass for me. The other thing I have too, from what I've noticed when I was looking for tape on, on almost all these fighters, Dana's really pumping his contender series guys here. I mean, if you look even on the first five fights we've gone through, it's a lot of contender series alums and you know, that Dana loves his shows. I mean, I think every single person on this card, it, it, like so far that we've named, has either been, for the most part, a contender series or a tough vet. So Dana definitely loves his shows for for talent. And thank you for the breakdown. You're you're so you're leaning Anglin here?
0: I guess, yeah. I guess I'm leaning Anglin by decision. His chin. I mean, as honestly, long as his chin holds price, up, I kind of expect him to eat a lot of shots.
2: At a plus price, it's really not that bad. Plus it's going to be
0: – you're going to be clenching your butt cheeks for that first round and a half. He's going <laughs> to eat, ch- eat a lot of shots. So this is uh, continuing
2: along the theme of uh, show prospects. Nico Montano, we haven't seen her in a while. She actually technically is a UFC champion. She was the inaugural champion for the flyweight belt. I believe she relinquished it.
0: Yeah, I was don't that believe too – uh, Yeah. I don't even know if that was to anyone. I think she might have just relinquished. No, I think she just relinquished it,
2: similar to Jermaine uh, Jermaine Durandami. just kind of was like, "Here you go, relinquish this bad boy." Um, But she's fighting uh, Yan and Wu, who I believe had a different fight also on this card. Um, No, she did not. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Genevieve. No, she did not. So this fight's been scheduled as usual, but Nico Montano versus Yan and Wu. Um, and it's interesting cause this is the first fight for Nico Montano since uh, Juliana Pena in, in 2019. Who's recently, I believe she's fighting Amanda Nunes, right? With the belt coming up here.
0: I think so. Yep.
2: Yeah. But nonetheless, it's in, in interesting. Lauren Murphy also is getting a title shot and she beat her on the ultimate fighter. So it's not like her resume isn't, um, up to par with a lot of the UFC, but we just haven't seen her in a while.
0: Nico Montano
2: here is minus 245. Yan and Wu plus 205.
0: Minus minus 245? Yeah, dead serious. All right, I've got a dogger pass situation again. I (laughs) was going to say I slightly lean Nico Montano, but how can you put your hard-earned cast on her? Similar to Misha Tate, we've seen her fight one time since winning the Ultimate Fighter in 2017. That's one time in four years. In the meantime, She's pulled out of seven fights. That's five in a row since the Juliana Peña. She's yep. a chick that's mentally in, mentally out, cannot back her. It has to be dogger pass here. But I mean, like reset, at one point Nico Montano was winning fights against skilled woman. And yeah, so I have I to imagine she's the more skilled fighter. I so, will not back her.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about because I did want to add that. If you look at her fight log, I mean, it is just riddled with cancellations. And when you go through the details of the cancellations, she's always the one pulling out. So it it does make you want to question the mentality. I mean, she's relinquishing her belt. I know there's always more behind the scenes, so I don't want to make any speculations, but it's something that as a capper, I look at when I was, I, I like to set lines, what I think the line might be when, not only for set the spread, obviously. We didn't do
0: this on set the spread, did we? We did not not do this on
2: set the spread, but
0: I do it for all my fights. Forgetful Franny? Is that a... No,
2: we did not do this for set the spread, but I do it for all my fights after I watch film to see if there's a huge discrepancy. And this one, I had Nico Montano minus 160. So there's a great bit of value on the dog here. And and whether I ride or not, it remains to be seen, but I might. One little fun fact too about Yan and Wu. uh, Her... Do you know who her favorite fighter of all time is?
0: I have no idea. Sakuraba. I love that. The Gracie killer. Yep. The Gracie Hunter. Forgive me. Forgive me. She's she's 25 years
2: old and she actually has heart for days. I mean, she, this is the fight that I believe against Yoseline Edwards. She like fucked her arm up like badly. I think it was either dislocated or, or broken clean off. And she complained. The entire time to the Rafael her continue, and that's the type of heart that it's it's pretty easy to back because you know she's she's gonna give everything she's got. Oh yeah. So just a fun little tidbit that Sakuraba is who she mo- models her fight style after, and so that is An something MMA I-
0: Hall of Famer for sure. I don't know oh, about a UFC Hall of Famer. Yeah, but...
2: easy. Those Pride days, Sakuraba is is one of the arguably Pride goat conversation. Oh yeah. Kobe, MCC. It's it's time. We have a six fight main card starting at eight p.m. this Saturday, July thirty first. Whether it stays intact, that remains to be seen. Can you update us on the standings, my friend?
1: Yeah, you bet. You want us to update us on the standings. Really, the highlight of the week was Reese's seven point or plus seven fifteen Elkins by KO. Um, that certainly made up some ground on the back of the pack here. He's within two points of DK, within what, six points of myself. And Parker's still just leading the field by about 12 off of me. So, no change to the overall standings, but Reese is certainly up there.
2: I also do want to add that um, I hit Darren Elkins versus Mizrod Bektik back in the day at plus 715 when he had kicked him against the cage against Mizrod Bektik, I went all the way back through and saw that the line was plus
1: 715. So, so let that be a note to our – I
2: needed to there. add that because I was Anytime
1: like – time you see a plus 715 with Elkins, that, that's just a green that's line. A
2: gar- it's a guarantee. It's a, it's a Reese guarantee. That I can lock it in for you. But that was one of the best comeback finishes probably of all time. So with that being said, welterweight bout, Brian Barberena, Jason Witt, the order is P R C K D K R P. Yes, sir. Let's get into it, man. The casuals versus the pros. Let's see it, Parker. Who you got here and via what?
1: Sorry, Brian, wait,
2: me. wait, 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 wait. Before you go, Brian Barberena is minus two sixty. Jason Witt on the other side at plus two twenty.
0: Reese, please refer to me only as Champ. Thank you. Uh,
2: you are, hey, who I, You're you won last year's and you're in first this year. So who, who am I to call you?
0: Brian, round one. Plus 250. You're a bad man. Interesting. Interesting.
2: Yeah, not bad. I I round props always scare me, but that's not bad at all.
1: Um, I'm on Barbarana knockout plus 160. Yeah, that's the better line. Yeah, for
0: me, I was looking at I guess I'll go with my breakdown first. Barbarena. Is a guy I have a lot of respect for. After, especially after watching tape this week, you look at his resume, or you look at his, uh, bleh. you look at his strength of schedule. It's phenomenal. You've got guys: Colby Covington, Leon Edwards. I mean, Vicente Luque, who we had rocked. Um, I mean, just phenomenal killers. So much respect for that guy, and he's good takedown defense. I expect Wit to try and take him down. I think Wit's going to be slower than him. I agree with y'all. I I think that Barbarina is going to rock him. I was deciding between the under one and a half, which is at plus 135 right now, and Kobe's line, the plus 160 Barbarina by KO. And I'm going to go with Barbarina by KO. Let's ride the hot hand of my my own kid brother.
2: Yeah. I mean, your breakdown is really spot on. I do want to add that one of the things I was really worried about Barbarina is His chin has held up so well throughout his UFC careers, put on a lot of exciting fights at 32. You don't expect someone to decay, but you look at a unanimous decision against Colby Covington, a unanimous decision against Leon Edwards, uh, then slowly starting to crack in an absolute war against Vicente Luque. And if you as a listener, have not watched that fight, it's an absolute must. That fight is phenomenal. But he ends up getting finished with just six seconds left in the fight after absorbing, man, close to 200 strikes. And then he gets finished shortly thereafter by Randy Brown, which that was when I started to write the concern flag. I'm glad to see he took a little bit of a layoff after his Anthony Ivey victory in uh, September. So you almost have a full year here, and he's facing a guy, Jason Witt, who's had almost no success in the UFC. He did beat Cole Williams via arm triangle. But outside of that fight, which also that fight within its own regard is is a, a, a questionable talent-wise. But, I mean, he got absolutely stouched in his other two UFC fights. I mean, we're talking a, a total ring time of a minute between the two of them. So I, I, I don't think Brian Barbarino will have too much problem putting him away here. I'm also on the KOTKO plus 160. I, I was thinking about potentially riding decision, but I'm just going to take the plus
0: 160 on, uh, that. Brian Barberina gets it done. This Flyway. goes early. If this goes early, Parker gains ground on all of us again. It does. But if it yeah, you're not wrong. We could, be, we could be spot on. And still lose ground to Parker. I mean, who am I to ever fade
2: Parker? I want to pull the Parker season one tactic and just, you know, ride Kobe, but no. Nah, Parker's Parker's in his I want own. to go to
0: the Parker season one tactic and try and hit
2: one draw. <laughs> if you find the draw, it's an auto victor. I mean, that that remains to be the case. Flyweight bout, Ryan Benoit versus Zaruk Adashev, And and this is one that was canceled on what card, Dan? We talked about it pre, pre-pod.
0: Yeah, it was originally scheduled for UFC Vegas 26 back in May. So this is one, uh, you early listeners, back before the Believe days. Can you remember back before Believe? <laughs> I can't. No. Um, early listeners, they'll remember us breaking down. Um, I'm happy to do it again.
2: Yeah, we got – with that being said, we got Ryan Benoit here, minus 135. Zaruk Adashev 115 on the opposite
0: side.
1: I'm up. Fuck yep. Ryan
0: Benoit, by the way. Just fuck him. Why? Um, so, I'm going to go to... Very C- curious. Plus 255. Why? Very curious as to why... Yeah, I'm also am
2: curious on why fuck Ryan Benoit.
0: Um, there was a reason I hated that guy. <laughs> <laughs> the man doesn't even remember why he hates that guy. And we does have Parker Rios like- coming out as a big Tim Elliott fan. Yeah, I was about to say, does it have to do with the Tim Elliott? Fight? Oh, it was the fact that he lost to Tim Elliott.
2: <laughs> That's probably why. Maybe a Malort shot was on it.
0: I didn't have a Malort shot on it, but fuck
1: that.
2: All right, so what are you thinking?
1: Uh, Zaruk, decision plus
2: 255.
1: Okay. Uh. I'm not going to get cute with it. I'm on Benoit minus 135.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I already might have played my hand a little bit. Um, I mean, this, I know I said it a second ago, but for our OG, OG listeners, throw it back to the very first Tim Elliott fight. The first time we talked about my dude, my friend now, Tim Elliott. It was because of this Ryan Benoit fight. I had money on Ryan Benoit. Uh, A a guy who, on the surface, is a good striker. Um, I mean, he's a good grappler as well. Uh, It it was a match where Tim Elliott was supposed to have a, a massive grappling advantage, and that ended up not being the case with Benoit controlling some of the reversals, the scrambles, even getting into him in a knee bar that almost, that did make him scream out in pain, almost made him tap a la Tony Ferguson, Tim Elliott showing some next level toughness there um and, and across the aisle you've got Adashiv who's a good kickboxer I mean him taking Sumu Derji to a decision impressed me but I don't really see him as a complete fighter and especially Ryan Benoit a guy who's going to take him down a couple times is an ace in terms of submission I know I talked about um at, during news and notes the Danaher death squad Great Jiu-Jitsu team of all time. This the gym that he was training at leading up to the May fight. Uh, I talked about the answers I'm looking for. The answers I'm looking for, I've been looking for a Ryan Benoit interview on any platform or YouTube, whatnot, pre- uh, precluding this fight that talks about where he trained, how, what that atmosphere was like in, in a gym that was splitting at the seams while he was ending a fight camp. I mean, the announcement was made in his fight week. It's got to be a curious thing. Definitely a question mark for me. But really what I'm going to take away from that is he's been getting wizard advice from the wizard headmasters, from all the Dumbledores. Um, There's a guy who's going to come in and maybe get a heel hook. Could be easy. Could be first round. I'm going Benoit submission for the MCC. Look for Benoit to possibly be on my card. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back my guys, Dan and her death squad, for maybe the last time. For me, and I, I think this might be
2: a best fight odds mistake because Ryan Benoit's name is messed up, but I'm getting no props for Benoit. Uh, I just see Adeshev's. So for that, I'm going to make it simple and just go Benoit minus 135 because I don't think I have another option. Unless
0: one of you guys see is seeing something different. I made my pick without looking at a number <laughs> i stand by my pick because i love my pick but i the number yeah, might change
1: <laughs> there are no props for it right now so we'll let danny play the sub reese if you want to play a prop you can and we'll get you the line at fight time no,
2: I'll, I'll take benoit because it's hard to pick anything without a line if, or- the,
0: if the sub doesn't come out i'll back into benoit but there definitely will be a line really yeah, there, there will, will
2: be yeah eventually it's, it's just a bet fight odds issue there's definitely already a line up but I don't want to go through the different sites to find And it.
0: if there was a lineup for a heel hook, I'd smack that too.
2: <laughs> what are you? Uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank now. How no, I think I-,
0: I said that right before the Delize fight where he lost Delizze. the fight because he shot for the heel hook and it wound up on bottom for a nice, like seven minutes. There you go. Walter the way
2: out. Uh, Nicholas Stolce is still on the card as previously mentioned. He is fighting Jared Gooden now because his fight with Munir Lezez has been called off via visa issues out of Liz, no injury, just travel restrictions. With that being said, this new fight that I believe was announced like yesterday or, or two days ago, uh, Nick Stoltz 245 Jared Gooden plus 185. So this is another one similar to that contender series fight where I only have Stolce notes. I know Jared Gooden, thankfully, but, just something to mention there, a little asterisk next to my pick. If you're trying to, to ride, Parker,
0: what do you got and why? Uh, Stoltz, say round two plus seven hundred. This card's pretty messed up, so I'm just gonna go big.
2: No, I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. Stoltz, say rounds two plus seven hundred. Okay. Kobe. Definitely
0: one way to make a
1: stab. Yeah. Wow. I'm also, just throwing a dart here. I'm gonna go with Gooden inside the distance plus four
2: thirty-five. Dan. And this is another one, um, Dan, that has no—the lines just aren't new enough yet. They're still figuring out KO, uh, TKO, decision lines. But if you so, want to
1: play him, we can just get you the light. We can get you the yeah. The, the
2: but that—but this should just show you that in all our years of doing these, this is the first time we've had so many issues. It just really shows the disarray that this card is in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got both these guys coming off losses to highly rated prospects. Abubakar Namagamedov and Ramsan Ameev talked about them both at length. And both fared better than really anyone expected. They are massive dogs and looked pretty good. This is a great matchup for them. I mean, getting kind of screwed in the matchup department on their debut, even though it's short notice for um, Gooden. Gooden is a decent grappler, decent wrestling, b- jiu-jitsu brown belt. Um Definitely not a guy that I want to be stuck in the grappling exchange with. But Stoltz, in his own right, is dangerous off his back. He looks like he's got himself a nice jujitsu – I I really am not sure what belt he has, but he looks dangerous off his back, at least what I saw, um, versus Ramazan. And he also looked pretty dangerous on the feet. He's got a good calf kick-focused stand-up game. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to play by decision, and I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna take a stab as well. I kind of favor Stolte, but oh. I, yeah, I'm going Stolte by decision. It's plus Plus one fifteen. That's not the number I loved, but that's definitely the most likely outcome that I see.
2: Yeah. I, I am exactly on. I saw it exactly on Danny has, it, and I also have Stolte by decision. It, he, Jared Gooden, you got to remember, lost a unanimous decision as a big favorite to a retiring Alan Ban. I mean, that just does not age well. I know Nurmagomedov, Abubakar, that one's a more understandable loss, and, and there's more to pick out of there on where Jared, Jared Gooden's skill sets are right now. But that Alan Joban loss is too tough for me to swallow. He's sitting behind a a, a desk right now doing the, the – No, UFC and lot. even in the
0: Abubakar fight, you had Abubakar after getting caught in a triangle out there trying to prove something. I think he spent the first two rounds striking, didn't attempt maybe one takedown. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then in the, in, the four, or in the third, he attempted, I want to say, two takedowns and got over four minutes of control time – Gooden yeah. seems like a I mean, guy Jared, that's beatable.
2: Jared Gooden has the longest neck in the game, but unfortunately, that's not going to be enough here. Stolte by decision, I, I, I like quite a bit, and actually might be one of the only things to actually see my card. Moving up quickly, uh, Shannon Buys versus Gloria De Paula women's strawweight bout. The line here is Shannon Buys minus minus one seventy, Gloria De Paula plus one fifty. Parker.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with buys TKO KO plus
2: one thousand fifty. Holy shit! <laughs> That's and that right there is like how you really make noise. I love that pick.
1: Yeah. Also a dart. I'm gonna take the dog. DePaula by decision plus two forty five. Nice.
0: Yeah. This is one of the main reasons why this fight card is so terrible you got, I mean, these women five and three, five and two, one fight away from the co main event. How the hell do we let this happen? How the hell is this on the main card? How the hell is this? How the hell am I having to pick a line here? Neither of them have a UFC win. You got Bays, or Bays, I think is how you pronounce it, who got dominated as a big favorite uh, by Montserrat Ruiz when she had no answer for Ruiz's clinch throws and Apollo on the other side had trouble with Gennu Frey controller in the clinch which is interesting i mean we talked about Gennu Frey being a, a dog on sh- against a short notice fighter who's eight and seven earlier in the card it's just interesting all around i i, I got to go base to get back into the win column i talked about last week and was wrong uh, I think it was Goldie that I said was looked like she was giving, being given a winnable fight to being bounced back into the win column. I'm going to say the same thing here about Cheyenne Bayes. Take that as you will. But I'm going Bays by decision. Uh, I, I do think she gets back into the win column.
2: Yeah, I'm going to gain some ground here. I like to Paula. She fights at a shoot box, which for those who don't know is one of the toughest, hardest camps there is. She's a Brazilian and you know, Dan's right. They, she's lost to a girl on, on her undercard, Jin Yu Fry. And it, they, neither of these girls have, have UFC wins. But for that reason, I really like the dog here. And I think you probably see me on the 150. But I am going to get dicey here for, for the game sake. And I will take Paula wins via... Inside the distance, plus 555.
0: What do you think is more likely there? A sub or a TKO? Probably a TKO, but
2: I'm fine with either. I, I think a T, I, I mean
0: – So you think that if we're waking up on Sunday morning and we find out that uh, Paula wins inside the distance, it's a ground-up-pound TKO, like yeah. mounted too much for Cheyenne? Maybe she turns her back? Couple I don't
2: know. I mean – I don't know. I mean, that's a tough question because I really, the the lines are so similar. They do. She could really win either way. I think ultimately it will be a decision. And for that reason, I will be riding just to Paula straight up, but I, I imagine. I mean, that's a tough question, Dan. I, I imagine it would be a, I worry about the club and sub, which is why i ended up doing just in the distance instead of trying to pick one. But I imagine KOTKO some way, shape, or form.
0: I worry about staying awake as this fight goes.
2: <laughs> Me and you both.
0: Co-main events.
2: We have Kang Chung-ho versus hani Yaya. This is one that threw Dan for a loop on Set the Spread for those who listen. Kyung-ho Kang minus 130. Hany Yaya plus 110. Margaret, a hang decision.
1: Buck
2: 65.
1: Kobe. I'm just on Kang straight up.
0: Nice. This one through this one did throw me for a loop on set the spread. Uh, I think I ended up fading myself. I had Yaya as the favorite and I ended up taking Ho Kong for one of my only points. I still think that Yaya is probably the better grappler of the two. Um, Unless unless maybe I'm seeing something or I'm not seeing something that's supremely evident in Hokong. I'm not confident in him. I'm taking the dog to grind out a decision. Give me honey, Yaya. Give me by decision. And that line is 430. Okay. Give me some shitty judges while you're at it, maybe.
2: No, that's fine. I mean, I just I from what I understand, yeah y- there's no way Yaya's not the better grappler. I mean, there's just no way. I, I just think Kang can defend any submission he throws his way. And and I, I, I think Yaya's just on that decline now. He's over that hill. He's I believe I don't think he's 40 yet, but he's definitely in his very late 30s. I'm gonna take Kang. Wins via KOT, KO, TKO, plus 445.
0: Are there any other UFC fighters in uh, Kang's gym? You might not know, but by yeah, any I
1: chance? I do okay,
0: know. I have no idea. Just... I he's want to know who he, he trains with. I have no idea. I mean,
2: I imagine some of the South Korean prospects would be my guess, but I... I yeah, he's fighting out of South Korea, so I imagine my guess would be all those south korean fighters would be my guess but um okay main event guys this is the one this is probably the only fight that's going to draw some eyebrows uriah hall versus sean strickland in the main event sean strickland is minus 210 uriah hall plus 175 parker start us off for the main event strickland decision
1: 215 let's move it okay kobe I really do like Sean Strickland. I don't know that he's necessarily a contender at middleweight, but I think that he's a formidable opponent and, and a guy in Uriah Hall who we really haven't seen tested in quite some time. I, his last two fights, obviously, the Weidman leg and Anderson Silva, who's on his way out. Obviously, he's in boxing promotions at this point. And we, no disrespect to Anderson Silva, but it, it wasn't the same Anderson Silva that we saw him beat. Um I'm going to be on Strickland by unanimous decision plus 335. And I, and I am excited for this fight. I I want to see what Sean Strickland's got against a guy like Uriah Hall. So
0: I am on the violent pick. Give me Strickland knockout 195. Here's why. Strickland, obviously a boxer, quick hands. He's been on an absolute tear out of Team Quest since he moved up to middleweight. We're talking Marshman, decision unanimous while he was feeling himself out. Brendan Allen, brutal KO, uh, a fight that I think I was on Allen, a fight both, that I thought was- It was actually an ankle lock, Dan. Yeah. And and then the Christoph Jocko fight where he just walked him down and viciously pieced him apart for three rounds. It was awesome. Uriah Hall is a guy I've said in the past is pretty good at finishing legends who are past their prime and not pretty good for much else. I think he gets back into the L column here. I'm going Strickland knockout and MMA math will tell you, if you look at that Jocko fight, Strickland put it on Jocko for three rounds. Jocko almost beat Raya in round one.
2: Uh, Raya ended
0: up winning, but Jocko, could have finished that in round one for
2: sure. Yeah. No, Dan, this is one on set the spread that I overset. I had Sean Strickland as an even higher favorite and I still see it that way. I am all over Strickland here pretty confidently. I also am going to do KOTKO. KO. I think in a five round main event, there's slim chances. Strickland doesn't get it done. He's just a significantly better striker. I, I think you could put him in a top five striker in the middleweight division. I mean, you saw what he did to our boy, Brennan Allen. He's taken uh, Kamaru Usman back in the day via unanimous decision pre-accident. The big thing for me on Sean Strickland's return was durability, mentality. How was he going to hold up? And it, it's shown that he's, he hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, dismantled Jack Marshman, like actually slumped Brendan Allen. Like you said, beat Jocko. I mean, he's, he really is looking quite good. And, and, and what, I, I, what, what sold
0: it for me? is you look at Uriah Hall and he has success. He's, he's a good technical striker, fun mixed martial artist to watch, but he really only has success nowadays against guys who he's faster than or, or against guys yeah. who have slowed or, or gassed to a point that he's become faster than. And I expect at no point Strickland to be at a, a speed disadvantage. I expect him at no point to be at a gas tank disadvantage.
2: Yeah, and I also want to add too that you're looking at a guy who – has been down in a lot of fights. I mean, I look at the like you said, the Jocko fight. Jocko was demolishing him in the first round. I mean, arguably 10-8. Then you scroll up a little bit farther. Bevan Lewis. He lost every single round to Bevin Lewis before he got the finish. He he ended up barely be edging out a split decision against uh, Shoeface. And he's now sitting in PFL. So I, I agree with you. I mean Anderson Silva passed his prime in a retirement fight. Chris Weidman, the fight arguably didn't even happen because of that that leg kick. I think that Uriah Hall is getting a false backing here because his record doesn't tell the full story. I like Sean Strickland a lot. I I will probably be on the full line, but for this game, I'm going to take KOTKO. So for that being said, remember, we are now on the the Believe Network. We're truly excited to be a part of that. Follow us on all our socials, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Instagram, at ankle pick pod and we'll see you back for set the spread this sunday boys anything else to add
0: you better believe surprise. it surprise surprise the pod is back
2: kobe i don't think i've ever heard a uh, the magical p word out of you uh, sign us off
1: oh ha.